0: hello i'm susan siegel and this is expedientius in this podcast i chat with leading women from around the americas about their professional and life experiences and get their advice for you young women and men too around the world Today, I will be speaking to Isadora Zubiaga, the Deputy Minister for Foreign Affairs of Venezuela and Special Envoy of President Juan Guaidó to France. She has had some incredible experiences, ranging from investing in startups in Latin America, where I first met her, to working at a human rights nonprofit in the United States, to politics and now diplomacy but she's also an amazing role model for all young women. She's a wife, a mother, and an incredible professional and a fighter. Isadora was born and grew up in Venezuela, but she currently lives in Spain. So with that, welcome Isadora. Isadora, can I ask you, just tell the audience a little bit about you, (laughs)
1: Well, thank you. Thank you, Susan, for giving me this opportunity. It's um, something that I don't do normally. I don't speak about myself. I take every opportunity I have to speak about the freedom of my country. And actually, I come from Venezuela. I come from, my family comes from the south of Venezuela, which is the most beautiful part of the country and of the planet, uh, where you have places like you know the Orinoco River and the Angel Falls, and that's sort of like, you know, where 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 I feel my my guts and my soul and my you know entire uh, mission life uh, gets all its energy. Um, so I you know I grew up in Caracas, but uh, I would go to the south uh, to the Bolivar State many 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 times with my parents and. Uh, pretty much, you know, learned the love for, for what we have uh, as, a, as a country um, uh, from there. Uh, I did my university studies in the U.S. and I did my postgraduate studies in France, um, but always, always thinking that um, my mission in life and my profession and my development as a human being needed to be refocused um, towards uh, the well-being of, uh, of where I came from, of, of, of Venezuela. I've always had that very much in my, in, my, in my head, in my vision of what I should do. When I went back to Venezuela, uh, the last time was in 2005, after living uh, several years in New York, uh, I met with a, with a bunch of Venezuelans that were very committed to uh, fighting the dictatorship very courageous Venezuelans, regular people. Venezuelans uh, from every walks of life. uh, And and we decided to build a a movement, a movement that became a grassroots movement that accompanied the student movement uh, in 2007. And we had the first important victory against President Chavez back then. Uh, Members of that movement are the actual members of uh, today's uh, leadership in Venezuela, including the president, uh, Juan Guaido. So I had the great opportunity to to see people, as I said, from all walks of life, uh, the students from the student movement, people that were fighting from the civil society as human rights fighters, people that were involved in politics, people that were involved in, in, in building you know, communities and building cities and bringing together all the knowledge in order to have a much better country and that we had back then. So, uh, as you know, I dedicated many, many years uh, of my work and and my life to something that it's beyond a a regular work. I mean, it's not going to to a job that it's, um, you know, nine to five. It's really a, a commitment to a cause that it's bigger than us and that it should transcend what we do. So this is what drives
0: me. And I think that's what drives uh, many, many Venezuelans today. And then in 2014, you fled Venezuela again with your family. Why did you do that? What made you decide that you would fight your fight outside of the country as opposed to in the country? And, and were you afraid for your family?
1: Well, yes, 2014 was a year of uh, many changes for many of us. Uh, Actually, I didn't leave Venezuela voluntarily. We had a a very dramatic experience that many, many Venezuelans have had. And and that's uh, one of the main reasons why Venezuelans used to leave the country back then uh, because of the security. So we were victims of uh, uh, one of those uh, kidnappings, me and my family. And um, that was uh, in January 2014. Uh, when the start of the of the protest on the street, the big mobilizations back then, uh, they put um, uh, they 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 had they imprisoned uh, Leopoldo Lopez, who is a, a very close person uh, in 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 our lives because I've been working with him and learning from him um, uh, and helping him build this amazing uh, project. And when they put him into prison, we started. Um, we became, and I became, um, um, and, and put together a strategy to make visible what was happening in Venezuela, uh, outside Venezuela. And I started traveling to different places to denounce the, the, the situation in Venezuela and the fight for the political prisoners. And um, so uh, the government back then, the regime led by Diosdado Cabello, started to attack me and my family publicly on national television. And we decided as a family that uh, it was not appropriate and it was not uh, safe for us to be in in Venezuela. And that I thought back then, and I think it was an important decision, even though it was very hurtful to leave your own country, that it would be more useful for me to do what I was doing Outside Venezuela, and and to have my family in a place that could be safer than Caracas. Many—I mean, I have to—I have to remind you the context, which which is not different from today. Um, Many of the people that I was working with was put into prison. Some of them were killed. You know, many of the people in prison were were tortured, and um, so so it was a situation. For many of us, for Venezuelans in general, nobody escapes from the terrible thing that is to have not only persecution because of your political thinking and because of your thoughts, but a general situation of insecurity that no one would escape. So sooner or later, anyone can be a victim of a crime in crime in, in a country that is run by a bunch of people that don't care about the people. But... About themselves and, and you know with total impunity,
0: so this is what we actually want to change, and they are totally corrupt, so that makes it even worse. So you moved to Madrid and you had two children. your children today are sixteen and eleven. and so tell me, how do you how did you juggle doing what you wanted to do? because you were fighting for a cause and and you have been so instrumental in getting the European Union behind uh, Juan Guaidó and so you travel um, and you had children in a in a in a new place um, and even when you were in Venezuela, you said you know you were worried about your children's safety. my God, I would be where anybody would be worried about their their family safety. so how did you juggle being a mother being and and yet leading and being so involved in such an important cause well the first thing that you
1: need to know and this th- th- that is that this is a family commitment it's not the mom that decided to uh, work on a cause and i'm doing it alone this is a family commitment uh, you know everyone here is involved even the children even the even the little one from very early on they know that mom is working for uh, the freedom of their country and that i'm working to reunify the grandparents with the grandchildren i mean they themselves are 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 victims of the separation of the Venezuelan family. I mean, every Venezuelan family, every single one, has a member of the family that had to go in exile for whatever reason, whether it's been political reasons or searching for a better life or uh, looking for new opportunities. So we we have we we have this uh, very much in our hearts, and even um you know friends and cousins and you know this is a family business but i mean a family at the Venezuelan. Family. i love to think of it that way it's a family business yeah, it's but I mean I mean in a very broad sense of family, and I tell you, I, you know, I tell you they they are so understanding. I mean, they help me with the electronics and all the you know all the devices. So they know that they have to set up, you know, like the video conference, and they're more you know they're more children are more you know accurate with the with the with the electronics, and um, they know that if 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 their mom has to travel, uh, they know that I you know that I'm that I'm doing this for a great reason and you know it's an epical story I, I, I I'm a very humble person so I don't want to sound that you know this is like the greatest thing but it is so great to have uh you know to fight for something as as wonderful and as epical and as, as as important as the freedom of a country you know you don't even have to be a Venezuelan when I, you know we have encountered
0: so many who have taken the fight for freedom in Venezuela are very close to their heart. You know, children sense when when mothers are doing something which could be dangerous. You know, for my children, when they were little, it was, they would see a plane crash and then they thought, well, I'm getting on an airplane. How do I know it won't crash? So your children know that even though you're outside of the country, some of the things you're doing, you know, against such evil people, right, could be dangerous. How do you deal with that? How do you talk to them about that? First
1: of all, remember where we come from. I mean, I feel safe where I am. I feel, so, I, I feel very safe in the world because, you know, we live in countries that uh, are respectful of what we do and, and there is enough security here. So I, I, I try to, um, to live my life in a very uh, daring but also conscious way. Uh, um, I think it's important to be brave and I try to teach them that. And it doesn't matter what happens because we are fighting against evil. Fight against evil. Yeah, we are. I mean, this is, is, you know, everything that is evil reunited in one group of people. And I don't mean to sound alarming, but you just see the statistics. I mean, you see these people that are linked to narco- trafficking, to terrorism, they have tortured people that are innocent, they have made uh, 30 million Venezuelan innocent people suffer, people in Venezuela that are malnutritioned, uh, that 7 million people need humanitarian assistance. You know that what you're doing is uh, for, for, for the greatest cause. And whatever sacrifice is involved is necessary. And, and I think that, you know, in, in my own case, you know, like in my own family, my children, my husband and, and, and my in-laws, my sisters, I mean, everyone understands that what I'm doing is in the benefit of everybody. So, so I get the greatest support, and I think that you know, so far it's been an amazing ride because we are doing things for the good of others. And I know that everyone that works, work helping other people, know what I mean, uh, because there is nothing greater than 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 helping another human being that needs it. And um I you know I, I cannot do anything else but what I do. It's impossible that I uh, that I uh, abandon the ship as they say, because uh, it's it, it's it's what I'm called to do. I have an amazing team of Venezuelans. Uh, I think people uh, in Venezuela are brave. I, I met one day with the head of Caritas in Rome and uh, there was this lady who came to me and said, like I've never seen anything like Venezuelans. How you guys help each other, wherever you are. I mean, I could be doing something else, Susan. I, I, you know, I could be working in, you know, venture capital. It's the time for many Venezuelans and for many people around the world to understand that this is a, a, a fight that needs to be fought. Um, um, it's for freedom. It's for dignity. Uh, there is too much suffering, and the suffering has to end. And you know, we are at the right place at the right time in order to. Um, give everything we can to make it happen.
0: You're meeting so many um, important people, from prime ministers to ministers, all over the world, but mostly in Europe at this point. Have you encountered any kind of barriers because you're a woman? No, actually, the contrary.
1: I think um, I, I I think today in 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 Europe, I can tell you. Be, from my, from my experience, you know, if you have a delegation uh, that it's an all-male delegation, that, that that's unacceptable. Uh, so I think that, you know, that many doors are opened because uh, we need to to make sure that we empower, you know, women. It's been very easy for me to, to move around uh, uh, the European Parliament or the European institutions uh, in Spain, in France, in Germany, in England, Um, I think it's very important to give this message because women normally uh, in my country are not protagonists and uh, visible, but they are the main protagonist of the story. If you see it from all the different perspectives, you know, the the, the women are fighting on the streets, for the food for their children. The women are fighting at the National Assembly and you see amazing uh, MPs that are working on, on different fronts. And uh, there are so many statistics, as you know, in business as well as in government, that when you have women involved, things tend to uh, go uh, with better results. And even in peace processing and, and transitions, which is one thing that you know uh, concerns very much what we're doing uh, today in Venezuela, uh, woman, woman's role can be determined
0: uh, in, in having the best possible outcomes. And going back to the home a little bit, do you and your husband balance your lives together? Does he take an equal role with the children and the household so you can travel and do what you need to do?
1: Yes, well, I have, I'm, I'm, you know, we have a perfect a perfect balance between the two so it's not that you know that I'm lucky or not lucky it just so happens that he is uh you know the best cook in the house (laughs) and uh and uh, and an incredible dad so you know it's it's perfect because he can he can definitely um you know fill in when I'm not there and uh so you know but but you know again I think uh for every example there is in my case it works perfectly uh, because he can work from home. But uh, for every example there is, um, there is no need for women to feel uh, limited uh, by 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 one role or the other. I think that, that roles for women are perfectly compatible if you know how to how to handle them. I think that uh, you know, like children will always appreciate a working mom, uh, a, a passionate mom that does it for whatever reason I, I do it for my country but whether you do it for your children for your for your uh, well-being or, or for for building a business or for helping uh, others you know your children will always understand if you explain them well if you keep them part of the equation as well so everyone has to work everyone has to to row in the same direction everyone has to you know, help mom and dad to, you know, clean the table and prepare the food and clean the house. And, you know, everyone has a role. And, and you know, that's how it should be.
0: So you've had to convince a lot of people that Juan Guaidó is the legitimate government of Venezuela. I believe he's the legitimate government of Venezuela. But you've had a lot of more skeptical Europeans. Um, how have you done that? I mean, you've done a spectacular job. Well, you know, what? first of all, it's very easy
1: when you have the the right arguments on your side. And uh, the first argument is the law. You know, we have the law. The, he is the constitutional president of Venezuela because, uh, as being the president of the National Assembly and because the last elections were in uh, uh, legally uh, accepted by the Venezuelans, neither by the rest of the world, then the president of the assembly has to, uh, you know, assume the presidency, the interim presidency, and uh, call for uh, presidential elections. So, you know, when you have the law on your side, and then you have um, the people on your side, because more than eighty percent of the population uh, supports uh, the presidency of of uh, President Guaido. And then you have the international community uh, on your side, since most of the you know Western democracies on Earth um, are also uh, supportive of President Guaido. Then you have you know very strong elements, and it, it becomes easier to convince. Then you have the unconvincible ones, you know. So uh, with those people, you just need to to ease the argument and and make them understand that what the uh, what they are supporting that is the regime, it's causing all this, you know, humanitarian crisis. It's causing all this suffering on the Venezuelan people. It's causing the second largest uh, exile crisis, uh, immigrant crisis on on earth. Uh, It's causing an economic recession, a collapse, an economic collapse that is affecting not only the country, but the region. It's also causing the fact that, you know, there are terrorist groups and illegal groups working in Venezuela uh, it's causing a problem for the national security of Venezuela and as well as an, as in the security of the region. So you you know, you, you work with the good arguments for the people that understand the, the 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 correct arguments and you work also uh describing you know the 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 things that this regime is doing and the reasons why a country should not support
0: such um, such regimes. And persistence is one of your hallmarks. And I think that's something that's really important because sometimes women aren't as persistent as men. Oh, you think so? Uh, <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will, we cannot be tired of saying and repeating the, the, the right thing over and over. And, you know, I remember when we started in 2014 and we started you know, going to different countries, we would go to the ministries of foreign affairs, you know, through the back doors, literally. Uh, we would meet at cafes. Uh, they wouldn't give us their their business cards because, you know, they didn't want to be, you know, related to us. We were we were like, you know, these, these, these outsiders that wanted to, you know, make trouble for, for their, uh, you know, business as usual. And, um, you know, persistence. We persisted. Every single week we sent letters, we informed, we um, managed to get to different forums and and talked uh, about what was happening in Venezuela. We were very serious and very persistent and very passionate about what we do. Uh, alongside with the diaspora, because back then you know we weren't uh, in government, so uh, it was a work of many thousands of people, and and, and many 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 of them women. I I'm I'm, I'm amazed by the amount of women that i have been working with along all these years, and um, I think persistence has been you know one
0: of the trademark of this uh, fight for sure. That's fabulous. I mean, your persistence is is notable. So I have one last question. And that question is, if you had to give one piece of advice to a young woman starting her career, what would that be? Well, there is
1: um, self-confidence. It's something that it's very important. And and I think that, you know, uh, in order to to actually succeed in life, whether in whatever field uh, you choose, you need to have, you know a great amount of self confidence you need to know with humility but also with the determination uh, what you're meant to do in life and uh, i have no doubt that you can you know with with those elements uh, with the intelligence and the you know the self determination there is
0: everything that can be achieved so with that isadora i want to thank you so much for your time and um, your insights, they've just been fantastic. I wanna thank you um, for joining Expediencias, and I hope that I will get to see you in person very, very soon. I want you and your family to be safe, and I wish you all the best of luck, now, tomorrow, and forever.
1: Yes, well, let's get together soon, when this is over, when this confinement is over, and uh, we will have a free Venezuela for sure. And uh, I, sure I will so. be so happy to, to have you as our guest
0: uh, in Caracas. I would love that. You know, I started my career there. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Susan Siegel. This podcast was produced by Luis Aleme, Sarah Bonds, and Elizabeth Gonzalez. The music in this podcast was recorded at the America Society in New York City. Check out our concerts online, musicoftheamericas.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please write a review, share, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts.